0: everyone. Welcome to Zonan Canada. Uh, I'm your host, Jesse Betteridge. Joining me today is Jarvis Gray. He's hosted uh, quite a few convention panels, specifically at SoccerCon uh, and Oticon in the past, too, I believe. Right, Jarvis?
1: Uh, no. I've submitted to three Otacons and been denied uh, all three times.
0: Oh, man. That... Doing a panel at at Oticon is the dream. I really want to go to Oticon, but like traveling there from here is so expensive, and I would only want to go if I could do a panel. But it's so competitive to get in, apparently. Um, that there is no guarantee I'd be able to do that. Uh, so yeah,
1: yeah and it's rough now that they've uh, left Baltimore. I uh, I can never say that I did it in the uh, in the original convention. Yep. Yeah, the uh
0: the. That, that legacy is, is over. Uh, but anyway, uh, I have uh, asked Jarvis to come on today. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, the, the shutdown of Nya. Uh, now, if you're not familiar with Nya, then you're a liar. You know exactly what Nya is. Uh, it's the largest anime torrent aggregator uh, and pretty much the international go-to spot for uh, anime torrenting. Uh, it was shut down apparently due to some incoming EU regulations regarding uh, IP, but the the damage this move does might not exactly be proportional to uh, any of the actual benefit it brings to the anime industry. We'll we'll get into that a little later, uh, but first off, uh, we were both at acon in Seattle uh, just a couple of weeks back, uh, and I wanted to talk about that a little bit. Um, Jarvis, how did you find the con overall?
1: Oh, it was great. You know, it was nice to, uh, you know, bring Mike Tool in again like I did back in uh, 2013. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wait, you're not, you're
0: taking credit for that?
1: I am taking credit for that. I paid <laughs> for his flight.
0: Oh wow! Well, there you go. <laughs> I I thought I thought it was a a really great con overall. Soccer con is is one of those conventions where I find it can kind of be the same thing over and over again. And I guess. Uh, that this uh apparently the 20th anniversary of Soccercon this time uh does indeed fit that description but uh I was I was able to mix it up a little uh, a lot do a lot to the people I was I was hanging out with uh, namely you and Mike um and I also did my own panel on the first day uh it was it was called blatant copyright infringement in anime and what I I did was I basically looked at samples of music from various anime from from different decades that had clearly been lifted uh or were direct knockoffs of popular western songs like you know stuff from the 80s like um like southern like southern cross or you know different mecha shows or even you know stuff from the 90s early 2000s by Yoko Kano like uh, like Cowboy Bebop and and Ghost in the Shell those shows all have a number of background music pieces that are basically just lifted from from another source or uh heavily inspired there are some cases where um we i looked at songs that homages or parodies uh but you know a lot of it was just basically uh they're basically knockoffs and i i wasn't doing it so much to to discredit any anime composers of course uh it's uh this whole practice is something that goes beyond any of them as, as individual talents. Uh, but I, I find it uh, is just amusing to make those comparisons. And, you know, you can also kind of deepen your, your appreciation of the material as well. Because you, you know what these creators are thinking and, and what they're listening to, most importantly. And uh, I'm hoping I can do the panel again. I'll, I've submitted it for, for Anime Revolution in Vancouver. And uh, I can hopefully do it from, at some other cons. My big concern is that if uh, a panel like this gets too much exposure... That Japanese companies might get wind of it and start clamping down on titles uh, that are more widely known to have knockoff tracks and their background music, which uh, has already been the case with Gunbuster. Uh,
1: uh, well, if there's one thing we've learned, it's that the Japanese companies aren't listening to basically anything we're saying, so uh, I wouldn't worry too much about that.
0: That, you know that's That's a good point. Uh, and Gunbu- Gunbuster is apparently being held back because one of its tracks uh, is a. I would say it is a clear parody and homage of uh, the title track from Chariots of Fire. Um, and uh, it actually, in the Bandai Visual USA release of that, that we did get, the track was replaced uh, and also degraded the sound clip episode entirely. And that um, little controversy is the entire reason that we still don't have the show on Blu-ray or even have it, or hasn't even been reissued uh, here yet. But again, that wasn't due to anybody in the West pointing it out.
1: Yeah, well, I'm I'm glad you talked about that in the panel because I was actually completely unaware about that uh, song. And as a uh, bit of a Gunbuster super fan myself, I'm looking at my uh, my Oniami's box set right now, or my Bandai Visual uh, box set, and it was uh, really neat to hear about that.
0: Yeah, it was. I mean, it was a nice box set otherwise, but uh, I mean, just. I mean, I mean, run the episode if you have some good quality speakers. Like, compare the op- like the just the opening theme of the first episode with the other episodes on the the set. It's it. There is noticeable, there's a noticeable downtick in quality in audio quality, and it's it's disappointing. Um, but uh, yeah, that was. I mean, the 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 panel had a pretty good turnout for you know something that was early afternoon Friday. So I, I'm pretty happy with how that went overall. Um, another yeah, and
1: it. In a really weird spot, too. It's the first time we've uh, used those side rooms in, like, the, uh, you know, the next building over across the street.
0: Yeah, the Washington State Convention Center is kind of split between two buildings, uh, joined by an overpass. And there's a little, uh, there's an area where they that they've, for the last few years, have used for registration, and now they're actually putting panels. And they also put the Artist Alley in there, because um, something we're seeing at conventions now is that... Uh, Cons are being discouraged from having the artist alley and the dealers hall together, um, and a lot of this is due to IP, uh, IP concerns um, because you know it's uh, they really want to keep fan art or, or they want they want to keep that arbitrary line between fan art and official merchandise as you know somewhat solid as possible. Uh, they still allow some people to have uh, exhibitor booths even if they run like a webcomic or something, uh, which is the case with some friends of mine. Uh, but you know still a lot of stuff still slips through the cracks uh, you you still get those uh, those vendors that are selling essentially bootleg merchandise uh, while at the same time fan artists are all just kind of placed in this less accessible area uh, so you know it's uh there which you know shows again that there's no definitive line you can really draw between the two you kind of have to make an arbitrary choice at some point but uh that is that is something we're seeing at conventions more but uh, they put a couple of panel rooms down in that Art Sally area uh, as well, and they're smaller rooms. In my case, it worked. Uh, for Mike Tool's panels, it didn't work so well. I actually couldn't even get into his uh, "Doves That Time Forgot" panel because how how many people fit in that room?
1: I think it was somewhere around like 50, 60. Something that's, like that. That's
0: just pathetic.
1: <laughs> that's awful. Well, it's it's not the first time that's happened. In yeah. uh, 2013, uh, he ran dubs at time forgot. And if you can believe it, it was actually put in an even smaller room. Yeah, yeah. That
0: you you would you would think that uh, people would know or the staff would know what to do with a mic tool panel. I was fortunate that I was able to see at long last Bootleg Anime from South Korea, and I think it may be the the best anime con panel I've ever seen. If you ever go to a uh, a convention where Mike Jewell is doing that panel, do everything you can to get in. I believe he will be doing it at Anime North, or he's going to be at Anime North. I don't know if he's going to be doing that particular panel, uh, but hopefully yeah, that he will. Was
1: definitely a highlight, well worth the uh, the ticket right there.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, um, and yeah, and that, that also you know highlights another issue that was kind of with the convention, which was how they were handling lines. Uh, it, it's not necessarily a bad idea, but what they were doing was they were kind of just cutting the line off after a certain point and telling people that you 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 know you may or may not get in after the line the, the, the line is let through, uh, which encouraged people to just sort of hover around the area and try and, and lurk in after. Um, but the problem is the staff was very inconsistent with that. I was lucky with bootleg anime from South Korea because when I hovered around the door, I was able to join the line. Um, a few days later, with uh, the worst anime of all time, Uh, we had this different effect. I guess, I guess the, the audience at the con had adapted to, uh, the, the circumstances that had been created or, or that or the staff had just, you know, arbitrarily been doing things differently. Um, but they, they just kept kind of building on the line as it went in. Uh, and I only barely got into that panel and that seemed to be the case with a lot of other panels as well. So, interesting case of, of line management. I mean, I guess technically I'll take that over, like, Having huge winding lines going everywhere that cut off and then start again in an arbitrary place, and it's difficult to keep track of. Um, but they really have to be more consistent about that kind of thing uh, uh, overall. Well, I'll
1: definitely take it over to the Anime Revolution uh, setup where they kind of cattle fence you off yeah. in a completely separate room. Yeah, they, and... well, they,
0: they, they do that. You know, in the best case scenario, they use a separate room for the, for the lines. Uh, sometimes they actually run it through the connector. Uh, that runs from the east and uh, the the west and east convention halls for uh in the Vancouver Convention Center for for Anime Revolution, which you know it's uh it's a big clusterfuck, but they kind of have to do it that way because the 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 whole area is so narrow they can't actually have uh, lineups anywhere. Um, but they're actually they're moving into the west building this year, so I mean who knows what's gonna, how it's gonna be how it's gonna work out this time around. Um, but uh but anyway with 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 SakuraCon that. You know the whole way they handle lines changing constantly. Well, it will it will keep forever changing. I'm sure there's there's no you know definitive solution to handling that kind of thing. Um.
1: Yeah. Have they uh, posted their numbers uh, yet?
0: SoccerCon? I don't think. I wouldn't be surprised if there was an increase. There, uh, because it felt like there were a lot of people there.
1: there- oh, it was definitely packed on Saturday.
0: Yeah. They they felt
1: like there was a little down last year, but uh, it felt like it was way back up uh, this year.
0: Yeah, I don't know if it I don't know if they've cracked 25,000 yet, but uh I mean, they're certainly getting there if they haven't. And uh yeah, another highlight at the con uh was uh Hiroshi Nagahama was there. He is of course the director of uh, Mushishi and Detroit Metal City and The Flowers of Evil and uh, another another upcoming title called The Reflection, uh which is uh, yet another Japanese take on Western superhero. Um, and uh, Nagahama, he actually is a frequent guest at Sakura I think this is the third or fourth time that he has been there. Um, and I've been waiting for that moment, uh, knowing that he'd come back. I brought my, uh, you know, the spacer box from my volume one plus box, Police of uh, Mushishi, or the first season of Mushishi, and I got him to sign it. Um, and I do have to say that was a bit of, a, it was kind of a, at the same time, rewarding and frustrating experience, because... Uh, Hiroshi Nagahama is one of those guests that will take up to almost 10 minutes to draw a personalized sketch for every single person uh who <laughs> comes up to get uh or what is simply supposed to be an autograph. All I was expecting to get was an autograph, but he uh he gave me a little drawing of of Ginkgo uh and everything. It was uh, it was pretty swell. Uh but man, I like I was fairly high up in that line. I was close to the front and I waited for I think, nearly an hour and a half uh, just to get that little doodle on my box. Uh, and at, at one point, they had clamped down and said that uh, Nagahama would only be doing uh, very uh, very uh, – he'd be doing small sketches for people. But he actually seemed to double down and do more elaborate sketches uh, <laughs> as, as it went on. Uh, so, you know, you got to I, – I think – since he's been there before, I think a lot of people realize that. But uh, – Man, for for a guest like that, make sure you get in early for the the autographs. And uh, did you get you got an autograph from Kenichi Sonoda, uh, Eddie, right, Jarvis?
1: Yeah, I was in the lineup for that as well. Except I was uh, to the back of the line. And uh, Sonoda was a real trooper. You know, he uh, he stayed there even past his time to make sure everybody in line got a sketch. Um, they cut the line off actually super early, with only maybe. 30 or 40 people in it because they knew that he was going to be, you know, sketching on everything.
0: That was And yeah, that was thoughtful of them.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't uh don't keep him there all day. Uh but yeah, I got my uh I got my Sekishi board signed with a uh with a cool sketch. Uh funny you should mention uh, Nagahama uh, actually and um his work on Flowers of Evil. I didn't have to go to the autograph signing for him because I actually own two uh, box sets of Flowers of Evil signed by him that I got one uh, last year and then I got the year before that. They were both in the charity auction and no one ever bid on any of them.
0: Oh, that, that's kind of Yeah,
1: <laughs> so I have, I have two complete sets of Flowers of Evil signed for $50 a piece.
0: Yeah, it's really tragic what happened to that show. If you're not familiar with Flowers of Evil, that was the rotoscope show from about four years ago that, uh you know, has had a lot of unflattering screenshots posted around, but I thought was a really, uh really good, really effective adaptation, and different styles of adaptations are what Nagahama excels at. Uh, and it's going to be interesting to see what his new project uh which is you know apparently a Stanley collaboration uh The Reflection is going to be like because I think this may actually be the first original title that he's directed. Uh and he actually I went to he he did a panel uh kind of previewing some things uh about it and I mean I have faith because Nagahama has yet to let us down. Um he he pointed out that he's watched um like Tiger and Bunny and uh, My Hero Academia and other anime that embrace American comics, but he says that one thing he he wanted to do different from those titles and something that he you know made notes on while he was watching them was to just avoid any conventions of Japanese style narrative or pacing and fully embrace um, like his kind of idealized picture of Western comic style. Um, visually, I mean, it looks like something, like, 1970s Jack Kirby, uh, kind of design. Um, and it'll be really interesting to see how he interprets, you know, just, just comics in general in a 13-episode anime or whatever. Uh, because, uh, on, I, I think on Friday, he did a, uh, were you at his panel on American Comics?
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, was that was, there with Mike.
0: yeah, that was absolutely adorable. Um, like, his enthusiasm for Marvel Comics is... It was like, okay, so it's it's kind of like the attitude that a fourteen-year-old Western kid who has discovered anime for the first time has about anime. It's com- like it, the way he sees it is completely idealized and and wide-eyed. Um, and uh, it, and it was just so funny that he that he has these these um uh or just the impression that he has of of Western comics. Apparently, he went to to Zandu in Seattle and spent like a shitload of money on all these all these different comics. Um. Oh, yeah. it wasn't
1: just that. It was the action. The action figures. figures he was the action buying.
0: figures. Yeah, like he spent like like a good portion of the the panel just playing with this daredevil figure that he bought. That was specifically stylized like a 1970s style figure. And he was just he was so into it. It was uh, it, it it was funny. And he he made like a really interesting observation, uh, or at least. Uh, regarding his interpretation uh he sees he really admires the fact that western comics like run or have extended runs that go for for decades um and his interpretation was that comics in the west are viewed in a generational sense or or consumed in a generational sense where say children ask their parents about storylines that happened decades ago like spider-man or avengers or whatever and uh, the continuity is carried on uh, through through generations of families, which obviously is not true at all. Um, but I, I at the same time I can kind of appreciate this idealization that he has, and like it makes me think, yeah, it would be it would be nice if it did work that way. It doesn't work that way at all. But you know, it, it kind of forces me to, to to reconsider things as well. And that kind of thinking is probably what has me interested in his new project. We're gonna, we're, I, I really want to see. What uh? What, what comes of that?
1: Yeah, I definitely want to see it too. Now that you've mentioned it's in like a 1970s like Jack Kirby style, uh, it's got me thinking. I've been wanting to put a panel together for the last two years on anime that doesn't look like anything else, and uh, I could really use some more material for that.
0: Yeah, there's. I was gonna say there's not a lot. To, there might not be a lot to work with, but I imagine there's a lot. Well, more Well, there's to work things with that like uh, Flowers of Evil, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Windy Tales, uh. You know, stuff that, like, doesn't have the, uh uh you know, the Gundam seed, you know, look to it.
0: Like Abunai Sisters?
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's not get into that. Yeah,
0: we don't have to get it. We don't have to talk about that. that that's
1: different in a bad way. <laughs>
0: Um, another one of the big draws at the con was was Gen Urobuchi, who of course is the creator of, of Madoka and Psychopass. But he wasn't there to talk about Madoka and Psychopass. He was there with the team behind Thunderbolt Fantasy, which is the uh, the Taiwanese uh, Budaishi puppet show that he collaborated on. Um, and uh, you know it's a it's a great show. Of course, a lot of people were excited about it, and understandably so. Uh, I was excited about you know. Learning yep. more about that process, and they had they had the puppets there, and and you know there was going to be demonstrations and stuff. It's exciting stuff. And on Saturday night, uh, they had this big official, exclusive, two-hour-long panel focusing on Thunderbolt Fantasy and the people who made it. Um, which brings me to an important lesson that I think everyone should know about going to panels like this, uh, or specifically going to panels like that that are hosted by overseas companies. Generally, if a panel is boast as being exclusive or limited or a special event of some kind if it features a variety of overseas guests talking about a fixed promotional topic and if this panel is more than one hour long there is a very good chance that this panel is not going to be worth your time uh and that was the case with this thunderbolt fantasy panel at least the first one uh it started out promising enough because they brought out the puppets uh you got the crowd all all pumped up and you know you had gen gen urobuchi and the people from the Peely puppet workshop sitting there ready to talk but as soon as the actual discussion started it was clear that basically everything that they were saying was completely scripted the questions they were receiving were scripted the answers they were giving were scripted there was no real depth or insight or real information um and actually there was actually one point where the the you know quote-unquote interviewer uh, actually repeated the same question twice and it took almost a minute before anybody even noticed uh so i i I found that a little disappointing. Uh, And to to cap it off, they actually... A large portion of that panel was also uh, used just to screen the first episode of the series. And that was very stupid, uh, because every single person in the audience had already seen that. Um, And they also showed clips of the making of documentary, uh, which... Again, is available on Crunchyroll and can be viewed anytime. Um, and you know that all just kind of feeds back into the typical Japanese PR bullshit, uh, system that they have, uh, with with Japanese guests so often, where they are discouraged from actually going, you know, in depth into into discussing anything related to production or theme when it comes to uh, when it when it comes to you know anime or in this case puppet productions. Um, so. Yeah, an important lesson to take away and I uh, I sh- one I should have learned long ago, but one I'll keep in mind now.
1: Yeah, that's pretty good advice. I have it's been my policy that I avoid any panel that is uh, studio based, uh like The Plague. Uh I just stick to uh panels by like individuals. They they tend to be a lot more like uh, you know, open that way.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, usually when you have like a whole, well, I mean, sometimes animation studios will have Q&As that are, that are okay. Um, but if it's, you know, if it's toted as some exclusive, uh, presentation or, 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 or something like that or, or, or limited, uh, or, or, yeah, just, just anything posted that way, like, you're gonna get scripted bullshit and it's not worth your time. And then, of course, there are industry panels. Um, you know, I've, I've, uh, I've long since learned that uh, the Funimation panel is not worth your time ever. Uh, It's like being held in anime jail for two hours. And I don't mean the kind of anime jail where Little Witch Academia is. Uh, (laughs) This is anime jail you don't want to be.
1: That's not always true. I went to a uh, Funimation panel in 2013, and I managed to win their trivia contest and get myself into an exclusive meeting with the uh, psychopath creators.
0: Oh, okay, well, that's not so bad. I guess that's that's actually better than uh, than winning a free d v d or t shirt uh maybe I stand yeah. corrected
1: Unfortunately, getting to meet the psychopath creators was get a ticket, go across the street to the fancy hotel um get something signed by them. And then sit on the floor and watch the first two episodes of uh Pass, which, again, everybody in the room has probably already seen.
0: Oh, so basically Japanese PR bullshit again.
1: Yeah. yeah. But again, <laughs> in a small room, no chairs. OK, everybody crowd around this uh, this 32 inch, uh, you know, flat screen and sit on the floor.
0: <laughs> <laughs> would you say it was worth it in the end?
1: Uh actually I left uh at af- at that point. Oh okay. So I I had other places to be. But so I got my thing my thing signed. So that was uh well worth it.
0: That's pretty cool I guess. But uh but yeah, I mean I mean on honestly though like industry panels are not what they used to be especially since well I mean even looking back it's, back, it's kind of silly how much we uh we we would always value title announcements back when er- everything was just physical media licensing. Um but y- you know and it's kind of weird from a Canadian perspective Because we always, at Canadian cons we have to, it's It feels like we have to fight so hard To get that industry representation And, I mean, it's cool I noticed that uh, at, at Anime Revo last year um, When Victoria was there She was just being hounded by people Who were desperate for FaceTime with her And wanted to talk about Crunchyroll and, and industry stuff Which, at, at a level I don't typically see At American cons um, But then, you get the actual content in the panels And it's just like, yeah, y'all yeah, go do something else uh, for the um Thunderbolt fantasy or the or rather the the Peely uh, puppet workshop, they did uh do an actual demonstration on the Sunday, and that was uh that was really cool, definitely a highlight of the event overall um and I got a pretty good video of it too. I think I posted it on on Twitter uh but yeah, uh, yeah. sorry, go ahead,
1: oh, yeah, I think I was stuck in the autograph uh, line right around that time.
0: Well, you missed out, Jarvis. Uh, it was a, uh, it was a, uh, yeah, it was a good panel.
1: Unfortunately, this is the first time in uh, three years—no, actually four years—where I didn't get to do any panels at because I ran afoul of a computer glitch that ate all of my submissions.
0: Yeah, that's that's really unfortunate. Because y- you usually do like like three or four panels when you go there, typically.
1: Yeah, I submitted uh, six this year. And I was dumb and didn't take note of the fact that I didn't get an automated, like, response with each um, uh, panel that I submitted. I just took the, uh, you know, the web page popping up saying, okay, we got your thing, go away now, as uh, proof that they received it. When typically I think you get an individual, like, automated email response for each one you send in. I didn't get those. And then I kept wondering, huh? Why am I not getting my uh, my approval or uh, dismissal, you know, email when everybody else was getting theirs? And finally, I emailed in. And they said, "Oh, we didn't actually get anything from you this year." And I was like, "Fuck! My streak is broken."
0: Yeah, you know, this is this was what Soccer Guns twentieth year, right? Um, I, I guess it just shows that. Uh, even the most organized conventions are going to be really janky when it comes can, – can be expected to be very janky when it comes to that kind of thing.
1: Uh, but it's taught me a valuable lesson. From now on, every time I submit, I'm going to uh, separately email the uh, uh, the panel coordinator and ask, hey, did you get all my shit?
0: That sounds like a good idea. <laughs> always I'll always uh, prepare for for every contingency when it comes to uh, getting that spot as a panelist at a convention
1: yeah which it, again because it's the first time in four years I had to pay for a badge
0: that is kind of relevant to our main topic actually uh, which may not make sense to a lot of people but uh, we'll explain uh, I of course we we both do panels at conventions and a a uh, Most, or at least most, typically when you see fan panels done at conventions, the best ones are going to be panels that focus on clips that have been ripped from different anime. I don't think it's much of a secret that usually when people pull these clips, they are from anime that has been downloaded digitally in some way. Uh, And usually, at least, you know, for me at least, and I think a lot of people, especially people who have not been doing panels as long as, someone like you, Jarvis, um, they're going to rely on uh, a popular, easy-to-use torrent site. Um, and in almost all cases, that is going to be Nya, which has now been shut down uh, due to a loss of its domain name. It apparently was put on server hold status, which suggests that the domain had been flagged, and apparently this resulted in the site's owner uh, taking it down voluntarily. Uh, so... Yeah, that was. Nya was the go to spot for torrenting anime. And, uh, Jarvis, uh, I know that you probably didn't use it quite as much. Uh, what. Do you have any thoughts on, on this on this situation before I I, uh, I get into my stuff?
1: So, I hadn't actually used Nya all that much. I only started around summer of last year, uh, because, uh, a certain other torrent site had been taken down. Kick ass torrents. Right. Yeah, they were my uh, primary source at the time for getting um, a dubbed or dual audio anime uh, for ripping for conventions. And when that came down, well, I naturally Googled around for uh, what's the next best site. Oh, yeah, that seems to have uh, you know quite a f- lot of stuff to it. So I migrated over there, and thankfully I managed to you know catch up with all the latest. Um, Stuff I didn't have anything that I missed out on uh, before it went down, so I'm I'm mostly caught up for now.
0: Yes, but this is going to make things a lot harder for people who rely on torrents for for whatever reason. Um, I mean, for one thing, uh, torrents are the lifeline for people who are not able to access streams in their regions, um, and that's where like the horrible subs and stuff wind up going, which. You know, are are definitely downloaded a lot by people who do have access to the content and uh, and and choose not to use it legal method. But there are, are a lot of people who rely on it. That uh, that of course applies less and less to, to most areas in Canada because the number of titles we can't access at all is is lower than ever now. And jarvis well, actually, Jarvis, I, I understand you download a lot because of the internet that's available in your area.
1: Yeah, rural internet is a thing I would wish upon nobody.
0: Frankly, I am surprised that this Skype call has uh, maintained itself for <laughs> the entire episode so far.
1: Uh, it can get pretty... I'm, I'm knocking on wood right now as you say that.
0: <laughs> Perhaps more importantly, Nya is a resource uh, for anime that cannot really be accessed in any other way. There's, there was so much content uh, on there for titles that have not been licensed, probably never will be licensed, and also, as you pointed out, dubs, especially for obscure lost dubs that uh, are not going to be readily available in pretty much any form, possibly ever again going forward.
1: It's rough uh, losing all that, but I'm a resourceful guy and I've been uh, downloading things for over 10 years now. I've got my methods for um, for getting stuff still, but I ain't going to say what they are because I don't want to blow up my spot.
0: <laughs> well, that that's the whole thing. Uh, you know, people... Nya was pretty much out in the open and it was allowed to be uh, for the most part because, and maybe this is a contentious statement, I don't think that torrenting is really seen as a threat to the industry, at least not anymore. That that was the argument like 10 years ago. But we're at a point now where the people who torrent are mainly people who, who have been doing it for a long time or see it as... Uh, just sort of an optimal way of of uh accessing content they can't get otherwise um and if you're doing something like getting into making anime convention panels it's pretty much essential if you want to you know make sure you get the precise clip of something that uh that uh, uh you you don't happen to have on hand in any other way people like you who are who are resourceful and, and well connected and have established networks are are, are going to be okay but you have you have secretive things that you have to fall back on and that heightens the uh the barrier of entry for so many people and i i think that kind of sucks because well if we're talking about anime convention panels in general um there aren't enough people who are doing the high quality video based panels uh and it's going to discourage you know people who who haven't already been doing that kind of thing for years to to take up the mantle on that especially here on the west coast where there absolutely isn't enough of that it's it's always been more of an east coast thing from my understanding
1: Oh, absolutely, and uh, we need, you know, rich video content, uh, you know, filled panels in order to push out the uh, ask a country, ask a Naruto character panels into the garbage where they belong, push yeah. them deep down where they can never rise again.
0: Con's are finally starting to ban those, thankfully. But they, 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 they're, they're not giving up easily. They're trying. They're, they're always going to be rebranded as something that that gets around whatever whatever rules they put in place, uh, because you know just a certain segment of, of the audience just likes that stuff for some reason. I mean yeah the the best way to, to to combat that is just for people to actually make quality content and get it out there and I I feel that there could never be enough of an effort made for that kind of thing. Um but you know for 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 for, for doing things like that or Create, making any kind of creation that requires found content or uh, or um, remixed content or anything having easy digital files that you can you can compile together uh, is essential. In fact, the panels that I have done could not have happened without Nia. And I don't really know what I'm gonna do. Uh, I'm gonna have to start sucking up to people <laughs> to get to, to get my hands on on content I need because uh, I don't know how to rip Blu-rays um, and I don't know where to. Uh, you know, other places I can I can extract files like that. Um, well,
1: Jesse, you can always uh, suck up to me because I've, I've got everything you need.
0: <laughs> well, I'll keep that in mind, Jarvis. Thank you very much.
1: This isn't the first time, you know, this sort of thing has happened. Like, in 2012, we suffered a huge blow when uh, Mega Upload got taken down. That was a dark time indeed because it wasn't just, like, a single website. That was, like, a backbone platform of the uh, of the sort of anime piracy scene. Everybody was using it. It was so much better than uh, relying on torrents, you know. Uh, have you ever tried to find a fully seeded torrent of future boy Conan? It ain't easy.
0: Uh, actually, I found that on Nya. <laughs>
1: it, was, it was harder back then, of course, uh, before, before Nya. Yeah, I'm talking yeah. like 2000, uh, 2008, 2010, yeah, yeah. you know. A lot of that old stuff was really hard to find in a uh, in a fully seated torrent, but a well-maintained file locker. Uh, you could get what you needed, uh, you know, without having to worry about if it was the hot new thing and it was going to be uh, picked up by a lot of people.
0: Yeah, and I mean, Future Boy Conan is the perfect example of the kind of thing that, you know, you, you pretty much have to resort to piracy if you want to see it, uh, and probably will for, for, for years to come, because that thing's probably never going to get licensed for for whatever reason or rather if it was going to get licensed it would have been licensed already and but i guess this also brings up the like the complicated issue of ethics as well uh i mean we all saw we all saw the lavish lifestyle that kim.com lived so you know he was clearly making money off of, of mega upload uh and there's always a popular sentiment going around that you know even if you're just resorting to petty piracy uh for unnecessary reasons uh torrenting is far more ethical than other options out there like namely uh illegal streaming sites like kiss anime which i would personally argue are the real problem uh that is, is that is um damaging the anime industry right now uh, if if you're going to point to anything related to piracy uh and uh and like the loss of nya as a resource for either you know torrenting for things you can't get otherwise torquing because even if you even if you just don't want to pay for the content it is a much better option to do that than to use those pirate streaming sites um and i i feel that this move is just going to make that situation harder i think that uh, I, don't, I don't know who, who who made this call on taking nia down but may, may, maybe your opinion is different jarvis but i think this is just going to bolster those sites and make things harder for legit streaming resources.
1: Well, it's the bumpy carpet phenomenon. When mm-hmm. you push down the bump in one place, it's going to pop up in another place. I'm already uh, hot on the uh, on the trail of finding where's the next like uh, you know, hotspot for anime torrents going to be. I haven't found it yet, but yeah. it's going to it's going to happen.
0: It, it's going to be hard to follow up Nia because I mean the fact is that I guess younger people who just you know, who 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 just want to watch anime as quickly as easily as possible aren't gonna torrent. They're gonna look for the streaming sites. So there's gonna be less demand for a new Nia popping up than there would have been, like, say, four or five years ago. I'm sure we'll see other options, but we're not gonna see something as accessible and useful as Nia. And I I, I will, you know, maintain that Nia is extremely ex is is extremely useful and valuable. Uh and you know, the the more power that goes to those uh, those illegal streaming sites, uh, the the harder it's going to be for, you know, the actual industry to keep functioning. And, uh, you know, as people have always been saying, like we need the, the best way to combat that is still to have one unified uh, official streaming resource, which we were close to getting until Amazon decided to uh, dip their fingers into things. And uh they're really messing things up right now because they, they licensed, what, um like a fifth or maybe even a quarter of all the new shows this season? Something ridiculous like that. Actually, I should clear up some confusion about that in terms of, of Canada. We don't have Anime Strike in Canada. We can access all the new anime content that's streaming through the Basic Prime. I actually just got that... Uh, set up myself, we, I, I started, uh, my girlfriend and I started an account and uh, I used some wizardry to uh, to get the app on my PS4 so I can actually use it functionally right now, and uh, you don't have to deal with that second uh, anime strike paywall. Uh, we just have to wait a little longer, I think we're still waiting for the, f- when we recorded this, this, the fifth episodes of, the fifth episode of Recreators hadn't been uploaded yet. Um, so having to wait a little longer sucks, but it's like 79 bucks Canadian Uh, a year which is honestly a steal Uh, but you still have that problem where the content is all separated people can't go to one place to get it all and as long as that's the case there's going to be you know an accelerated or uh, an increased argument in favor of of those pirate streaming sites and I I think that's the problem and it's just shutting down a site like Neil is just going to feed that even more
1: yeah well fragmentation has always been a problem Do do you remember anime souls oh yeah yep yeah, you and I remember Anime Souls. Nobody <laughs> else remembers Anime Souls.
0: Very much so, yes. Uh, I mean, they, they did admirable work, for sure. Uh, I think Discotech uh, picked up a lot of what they were working on, or a few of them, a few of those titles at least.
1: Yeah, I've yet to actually go and look at Discotech's uh, website, because I understand they have uh, some streams of their own.
0: Discotech? They, yeah, they got some stuff streaming... Um, on Crunchyroll as well uh but uh, of course uh with HMV shut down discotech stuff is harder to get in Canada now because HMV had actually at, at the time they shut down they had surpassed <laughs> amazon.ca is the most convenient way of getting discotech titles in Canada which I think is ridiculous but you know here we are
1: yeah I really will miss uh, HMV now that it's gone I have them to thank for my uh, Galaxy Railways uh Funimation box set yeah. Oh, I guess I
0: we I haven't done an update on this since we did the episode on HMV. Um, Sunrise Records from uh, from Ontario is going to be taking over uh, a good number of the HMV locations. I understand they do carry some anime, but uh, I don't think they're going to be as good as HMV was. They're certainly not going to have like discotech stuff, which uh, they 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 went out of their way in a special deal to get that stuff out there. Let's 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 talk about discotech. Everyone loves to talk about discotech. Discotech you know their bread and butter is is licensing the types of titles that are super obscure that you can only get on yeah um i honestly it's kind of ridiculous to expect that they're going to be able to pick up you know enough stuff or 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 distribute enough stuff legally to to make up for what we're what we're going to lose with that but I, i guess it just shows that that kind of um that kind of resource can't be can't really be replicated through through legal means a lot of the time at
1: a lot of my friends like to tell me, like, oh, why don't you just go into the streaming? It's so much easier. And then I watch them on Twitter when they freak out uh, and go, oh, my God, Nichijou is only going to be on Crunchyroll for another two weeks. I got to go rewatch it again. And uh, I'm sorry, but I need those rips and I need them on hand uh, at all times. Just in case I need a 30 second clip out of it
0: you uh you're you're always putting together panels too and <laughs> just uh just just keeping the clips on uh on on handy right
1: yeah well i work sort of like a a digital archivist i have my uh myself from 10 years ago to thank for that being on rural internet you never know you know when you're going to need something on hand so as soon as i got Slightly better internet than what dial-up gave me. I, I got on the satellite. And for the first few years, that satellite didn't have any, um, any download caps. So I downloaded like crazy. And I kept downloading uh, until I amassed a collection of about 1900 uh, separate anime series that are backed up on about 12 terabytes worth of uh, hard drive space. And so if I ever need, you know, any show at any time, I can t- go look through the library and grab it, and I got clips ready to go.
0: Uh, definitely uh, archiving and not deleting stuff can, can really pay off, uh, if, uh, at least if you're into, into ripping clips and, and putting, uh, putting content like panels together, which more people – again, more people need to do that. It's a, it's, it's a good thing. It's, it's, a, it's a good way to share uh, content you might not otherwise find.
1: Oh yeah, nothing's more fun than uh, watching every single world masterpiece theater show, and just so you can cut it down into a one-hour panel.
0: I, I know uh, you, some some people may have read uh, Jonathan Andrade's piece on the uh, the English dub of Anne of Green Gables, which uh, was apparently hiding on YouTube all this time. Uh, just uh, you needed a, a VPN set in what Sweden, and uh, you can access it all. Were you able to to get your hands on that?
1: Uh no, not just yet. Yeah. but uh, I should probably set some time aside tonight to go check that out.
0: Yeah, I I wanna I, I I'm gonna watch those, and I think uh, I oh who am I kidding? I gotta do an episode on on Anna Green Gables anime, and I want to see that dub, uh, even though it was apparently produced in South Africa. It's a interesting story. I strongly recommend you go. Uh, you go you go check that out.
1: Or have you seen the uh, the original, like, the Japanese uh, version of uh, Anne of Green Gables?
0: Not, uh, only a few episodes. But a shameful thing I have to make up for.
1: for okay. Sure. I've seen that and the, um, before Green Gables, the, f- it's actually a prequel to Anne of Green Gables that was the last thing that World Masterpiece Theater um, put out before it finally just died in 2008, 2009.
0: I think it was already dead quite a while before that. They were just trying it, to bring it back.
1: It it uh, it died, and they tried to resurrect it with a couple more shows. And I guess Anne was their their last ditch hurrah to uh, get it back on track, but they just couldn't quite pull it off. My favorite thing about that um, Before Green Gables series, though, is in the credits the uh, uh, the air canada sponsorship logos in the uh in the back half oh really (laughs) yeah well they for the original *Anne of green gables they flew out um you know all of the studio to uh to go check out uh the farm and you know get references so i'm sure they probably did a similar thing for uh before green gables
0: Oh, that's interesting. I I really have to watch this and do a whole episode on it and dissect it in in uh, in every way possible. Uh, and it and it just increases that irony of the fact that the the English dub never or there never was an English dub produced before like the late 90s and it never showed up on Canadian TV, but it aired on Radio Canada in French. So I guess before we go, uh, you, just to add something else to this episode, Jarvis, we you, you've been playing Persona Five too, right?
1: I've been playing it uh, feverishly since the uh, day that I managed to get a copy, which is hard on the coast. I actually um, couldn't get uh, a copy out of any of the stores I went to, so finally had to resort to downloading it. And again, being stuck on rural internet, I had to take my PlayStation 4 to a friend's house uh, an hour's drive away just to download it.
0: Yeah, we're not we're we're not at that ideal future of downloading all the good all the good games yet.
1: Yeah, no, it was rough. And I wanted to get through it as fast as I could. I'd heard that it was beatable in about eighty hours, so it seemed to be the average. And I've still got five months left in the game and I'm at eighty eight hours. So clearly that is bullshit.
0: Well, you're only gonna get through that game in eighty hours if you know, if you don't appreciate it. And I find it very difficult to imagine that anybody playing Persona 5 wouldn't appreciate it because it is a game that is just rich in everything. Um, I, I am really impressed at uh, at how well it delivers its whole theme uh, and, uh, and social satire on... Uh, you know the 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 old devouring the young uh epidemic that has been an issue in japan for for a num- and for a number of years and is you know a bit distinct from our own uh, our own issue with that and i i, I just thought thought it's so great that you know this is a game that clearly has something to say and that's woven into every element of it it's woven into the you know the main storyline it's woven into all the confidants look at something like the politicians you know social link confidant thing uh I found that like in incredibly compelling he, did, he had nothing to do with the main storyline but the way he ties into the overall theme of the game was so well thought out and that just makes me think of what a huge improvement the game is in that respect over persona 3 and persona 4 uh, i mean persona 3 had like a s- central theme of uh you know remembering that death is inevitable but it's you know really frivolous and doesn't really come together like it was supposed to and then you know persona 4 has a little bit of social commentary but it's more of an afterthought um, it's just mostly a pastiche of, like, stuff from The Ring and Videodrome. But with Persona 5, like, I really get a sense that it's a game that's trying to say something. And the extent that they go to that is just jaw-dropping. It's so well done. I'm so impressed with it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I really need to do a deep dive on some of those Think Piece articles that have been floating around on picking apart each and every one of the little crime aspects in the, uh, in the game. Mm-hmm that delve into some of the real life fucked up shit that's been going on over there.
0: Each palace in the game, each criminal that or each corrupt adult whose mind you infiltrate is based on some kind of actual scandal that took place in Japan. So, um I mean if you if you follow Japanese uh current events, this is this game is going to be very resident for you.
1: Do you have any other uh favorite uh social links that you've been maintaining?
0: Um you, are you are you asking me who I've banged so far? Uh, oh,
1: well, we can get into that <laughs> later. But, no, I, uh...
0: I, I I really enjoyed Yoshida's uh the, the politician, and I and again looking back at Persona three and Persona four, uh, I like. I just know that if they had tried to do like that as a social link in one of those previous games, it would have been like frivolous at best or just completely corny and pointless at worst. I've been kind of partial to to Tamishima's. He's obviously a very annoying character, but he's, uh, you know, as as an obsessive, uh, he's a person that I kind of relate to. Uh, So, I, I found my, myself latching onto that one in, a, in an interesting way.
1: Well, the thing that's impressed me about the game is that I'm a real uh, min-maxer when it comes to my RPGs. Yeah. Uh, like, about halfway through the game, I've managed to max out every single one of my social stats. Normally, I would completely cut people loose who, oh, your social links don't add anything to the game for me. I will just completely ignore you. But, uh, most of the characters are so like interestingly written that even people like the uh, the guy who runs the airsoft uh, shop. Oh,
0: why? Oh, I like it. that's another that's another confidant I really like in that game.
1: Oh yeah, I'm super invested in uh, helping him, uh, you know, solve his problems with his old yakuza buddies. But the uh, the gameplay bonuses he gives are next to worthless to me because guns. Um, you know, why are guns even in the game, other than to attack, uh, you know, weak enemies and cause chains? The uh, guns have no use other than that.
0: I think they 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 do kind of weigh the uh, the the benefits that you get from certain uh, confidants based on how much you're going to uh, enjoy the actual story they provide. The most interesting ones tend to, you know. Give the least substantial uh, bonuses, uh, whereas the the ones that where you're gonna need a little more incentive to get through it uh, will give the, will give the better bonuses a lot of the time.
1: Yeah, which is really interesting because then you've got someone like uh, Kawakami who's yeah. just a double threat on having the most interesting uh, storyline and also arguably the most important uh, you know bonuses for maxing yeah, out. <laughs> yeah, uh, her
0: bonuses are the best.
1: Uh, oh my God! Do yeah. my laundry every day, please.
0: <laughs> she gives you a like a free turn on uh, or or extra time on uh, on certain days oh, yeah. after you go to the. I'm, max-
1: I'm maxing out all of my evening uh, social links uh, due to that. It's,
0: it's it's all it's all really well thought out, and you and I I can't help but look back at Persona 3 and just how uninteresting and unengaging those um, those social links were in comparison. I mean, do you really want to talk to this fat guy about how his brother got lured into a cult? Uh,
1: <laughs> they... Oh man, the most brutal thing I remember about 3, and it's been about six or seven years since I've played it, uh, perhaps even longer, was you could join a, a sports club of some kind. I think there was like track team and swim club. Each one had like a romance option to it. And each girl, it might have been like the same girl for each club. And they just had absolutely zero personality and almost um, like an NPC-like uh, character design to them yeah. that made them absolutely unremarkable in every way. It, to the point of, why are they even in here? They're adding so little.
0: I, th- I think a big idea behind Persona 3 is that they wanted to establish the idea that uh, as a character you have a life beyond uh, you know, uh, the dark hour and, and fighting shadows and stuff and hanging out with the other people in your dormitory. Of course, the consequence is that you become less invested in the characters who are actually important, and you're just kind of spending all this time with people that you, you talk to for a few days and then never acknowledge again. And Persona yes. 4, oh, actually, Persona 3 Portable, uh, if you play as the female character, uh, fixed that for the most part by giving uh, all, all the other playable characters social links. Uh, and, and having the re- reverse dating dating options for the the male characters, which uh, adds a whole new perspective on it. It is kind of disappointing that Persona 5 didn't have a, a playable female character as well, because that would
1: that's what the complete edition is yeah, for.
0: Yeah, of course. Uh, I, I and I'm confident they can do that because it, it does seem that they tried to inject some level of fuckability into the guys too. So. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they, uh, even if they had to change the storyline a bit, uh, if they uh, if they go in that direction with some kind of expanded edition. I think that would be pretty cool. But even the game as it is, it's highly replayable. Like, I already can't wait to, to, to do the new game plus. I hope, I hope I can just, I hope I have the, re- the the resolve to just back off a little bit and play something else for a bit and, and give it time to, give, give my mind time to digest everything.
1: Well, there's always uh, Final Fantasy 15 if you hadn't hit that up yet.
0: You know what? I have to admit, I've actually never played a Final Fantasy game before. Uh oh, I, I dude, always, I know, dude. I, al- I, my policy has been: if I'm gonna play anyone, I'm gonna start with six. Uh but I, I still haven't gotten to it. I know six is on Steam. Maybe I
1: should grab it next time it's on sale. I still have uh, almost all of the good JRPGs on the PS2 uh, left to beat.
0: Yeah. Well, I think I like my my PS3 is. Uh, it's it's been doubling as a space heater lately which i think is a good sign that i need to retire it so i kind of just want to finish all the games on it without having to buy a new one uh so i'm probably going to have to prioritize that so hopefully i will have these enough self-control to uh to save persona 5's new game plus for another day all right uh well jarvis i think we should wrap up there uh thanks a lot for coming on
1: all right good talking to you jesse
0: Hey, thanks for tuning in to and Canada. The theme song is by Ultra Klystron and can be found on his album Packet Flood at ultraklystron.com. You can reach me on Twitter at ZonN Canada or email canada at gmail.com. Please subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, or your podcast app of choice, and leave a rating or review if you have a chance. If you know anyone who might like this show, please recommend it to them. See you again!